My name is Charles Xavier. Please sit down. It's me. Prove it. You're a dick. We are the future, Charles, not them. Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? Why do you ask questions to which you already know the answers? I will always be there, old friend. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required at MCU Retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I am joined uh, by two very uh, handsome gentlemen here. We've got Chris here, and we've got Peaches here. What's up, you? <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, we've got Chris here, and also I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like waiting for it. Don't, I was like, don't sell yourself short, Peach. I was like, here it comes. <laughs> Brace for impact. <laughs> uh, you said short, Peach, and that reminded me, I did not know <laughs> that in everything, everywhere, all at once, that that's the kid from Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and Kenny the Kwan. Goonies. Oh, he's in the Goonies too? Yeah. Yeah. He plays Data in the Goonies. Mm-hmm. Kenny Kwan. He's short round in Indiana Jones. Yeah. Like short, Peach. Yeah. Short, Peach. <laughs> Am I regular peach or tall yeah. peach? I'm original blend. I'm definitely blonde roast. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about data from uh, Temple of Doom, you're definitely a booty trap. <laughs> or not, that's not data from Goonies. You think, uh, you, think, <laughs> you think Shia is going to be in the new Indiana Jones movie? I bet he's not. Oh, man. Bummer. Dang. Who's going to scream Optimus? Me. Um, I'll the, be there. The gorilla robot now, Optimus Primal. Did you oh see the new Transformers God, trailer? Dude, I am so ready for that. I Okay, so I didn't like grow up a Transformers kid or anything. I did watch the occasional episode of Beast Wars back in the day, um, but like I didn't watch the original Transformers cartoon. But I got to say, this isn't nostalgia talking, clearly. I love the G1 designs of the Transformers so much more than the Michael Bay designs. So like... I love that G1 Optimus Prime and the uh, it, it's just so much cleaner. You I know? agree. I think the the primals look. Uh, what are they? The maximals. Yeah, the max. Yeah, maximals and predacons are the right, right, right. the good and bad beasts. Huh. Predacons. Yeah. Did you ever watch Beast Wars? No. It was a show that I watched religiously as a, as a kid, and it's about. It's like they are the last of the Transformers. And they're trying to find a way to go back in time to save the Transformers. Ah. And when they land on the planet, there's no civilization. So to get in disguise, they disguise themselves as the animal life, even though the mixture of animal life is very... It's, <laughs> it's like a yeah. rhino and then a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And <laughs> yeah, I had some of the... Uh, I think that was Burger King did uh, some kids' meal toys of the Beast Wars. So Anytime... Any of the fast food establishments did a Transformers toy. It was always top tier. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they were really good. I remember having one. It was like a raptor, and you could open up its chest and flip its head back, and it was a guy. Yeah. I had a Power Ranger toy that his head flipped from not helmet to helmet. Oh, I had all those. Yeah, those are great. The raptor, that was the equivalent of Starscream. I forget his name. But he was the one that was like, uh, you know, 
Megatron's second in command that also wants to take his job. Yeah, like stab yeah. him in the back several <laughs> times. And I also, sorry, now I'm thinking about Power Rangers, which we always come back to on this podcast. It's true. It's, it's one of our Rangers recurring. Uh, we should do a bonus podcast. episode on the Power Rangers movie. Uh, we should. Uh, oh, hell yeah. For the homie, Jason David yeah, Frank. Yeah. I would love to watch the Ivan Ooze Power Rangers. Yeah. Oh, man. I haven't watched that since I was a kid. I what? Had, I, I watch had... it at once every couple of years at least. <laughs> I had uh, the toys that formed Megazord. Oh, it was shit. so yeah. cool! You had like all all five of them came together. You could like turn them into their animal mode, but then they transform, and then you can you know equip them, and now you've got a Megazord. Oh my god! I had so many Power Rangers toys. Same. I had the original Megazord, like with all those, and I had the Dragon Zord, and then I got the Thunder Zords, which Ooh. were you know that. Um, which and also the, had a dragon sword. Yes. And and I had the tiger sword too, the white tiger sword. Um which when you played that, you know, it would put an actual tiger on the other lanes. Huh. Sorry, that's a lie. That's a Marvel Snap joke. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got you. Oh, oh, I had the sword too, the talking sword. Uh what was it called? Saba? Saba. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, almost, and of course, I had the dragon dagger. I almost said a god of war thing. You had the dagger? Yeah, I did. Fuck you. <laughs> you mean uh, the dagger that you play like a flute that sounds like a trumpet? Yep, exactly. <laughs> a synthesized trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little jealous of that. Uh, I wish I would have had that. Uh, well, I've got something that you don't need to be jealous of. I've got a surprise for the two of you. What? I was hit up by one of our patrons patron adrian and next week we will have a brand new microphone stand for this podcast hey, wow. don't break to, it chris thanks to patron <laughs> i think i only broke one of them yeah but that's 50 percent of the broken mic stand. that's true <laughs> thank you adrian so thanks adrian. thanks adrian we really appreciate yeah, it that's that's amazing thank you what a real one i know love that guy uh, so today, guys, we're talking all about X2 X-Men United. It's written by Zach Penn, David Hayter, and Brian Singer, and it's directed by Brian Singer. And I just want to reiterate, for anyone who's just coming in, we do not fuck with Brian Singer. We don't like that guy. We do not like Brian Singer. We like the movie, but we don't fuck with Brian yeah. Singer. Um, before we get started... Um, Would anybody d- like to get out? I yeah. knew it! <laughs> <laughs> the... Description of this movie on Disney Plus is so bad. Yes, it is. Let me read it this. It's so bad. X-Men newcomer Nightcrawler, which they spelled as two words, joins Magneto to rescue their brethren and forestall a holocaust. Like, that is what? all that is all stuff that technically happens in this movie, but that's like if your synopsis of uh of Captain America Civil War was Newcomer Spider-Man joins up with the Black Panther to defend a superhero law. Yes, that technically happens. That is not how any normal person would describe this movie. So we got this synopsis from the X-Men movies wiki. I am so sorry. It's going to be a doozy, everyone. The opening scene shows a powerful teleporting mutant by the oh, before name. Oh, you, before you... I'm sorry. I'm saying before and I'm interrupting you. Another thing I should warn you about yes. and the listeners... They whoever wrote this uh, wrote this as if every sentence was the first time you've ever heard of any of these people. So they will say everyone's full name every time. They won't use he, she, they. 
everything is their proper name and, and and I deleted a bunch of parentheses too. Every time Jean Grey d- <laughs> I'm like Dr. Jean Grey. I'm like shitting on the people that wrote this wiki thing that we stole from the internet <laughs> to use on our podcast for without paying for anything. Um every time Jean Grey does something in the movie in parentheses on that synopsis they're like perhaps a manifestation of her phoenix powers and i deleted all of those <laughs> because there were like seven thank Holy you shit. i appreciate that if uh, i missed one i'm sorry no worries <laughs> so the opening scene shows a powerful teleporting mutant by the name of nightcrawler attempting an assassination of president mckenna of the united states in the white house oval office i am going to immediately interrupt you a second time this scene i have talked about on this podcast how many times I used to watch this scene over and over growing up. And I did the same thing when I rewatched it for this podcast. It has to be in the running for best opening sequence of a superhero movie, right? I, I truly think that it it is up there. I, I For its time, again, I'm sorry to age all of you listeners. The first X-Men came out in 2000, and this one came out in 2003, which is not that many years later. This movie is also old as shit. But if you it's know about that, to be twenty years, I know. Boy. If you know this movie is from two thousand three, and then you watch that opening sequence, it looks ahead of its time. Yeah, for like sure. the, the yeah. bamfing around when Nightcrawler teleports around looks pretty good. Still, it's a very good effect. The fighting, the choreography is pretty good. Like, there's a couple moments where I'm like, "How did you make that guy do like a double backflip with your tail?" I'm impressed, but whatever. I'm n- not complaining. Um, it holds up super well. And it's fun to watch, and it's the best part of this movie. And they just get it; they get it right out of the way. The other thing, though, is there's a moment in his final scene where he's in the room with the president, and he's going in slow motion. I think they might have used this scene as inspiration for the Days of Future Past Quicksilver scene, because hmm. they're not playing like fun music over it. He's not like doing silly things, but there's. Lots of moments in slow motion where he's moving way quicker. He has some sort of super speed in that scene. He's moving way quicker than the people he's he's beating up. Um, and it reminded me of the Quicksilver scene. What do you guys think about the decision to not make him furry and to just have blue skin with the hands and tail? Is Nightcrawler oh. furry? Yeah, I guess I never really thought about about it. So, I didn't. So I guess I'm fine with it. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought he just had blue skin. No, he's like furry. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I didn't think anything about the decision because I thought that's how he was. Yeah, yeah. He's got like hair. He's got blue hair all over. Him. How did you feel about the decision? Hair. I thought it was kind of weird, and I thought the whole markings thing on him was kind of weird. Like, I think they were. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong, but it, it sounded like what he was doing was penance. Yeah. And that is a really, really weird, strange way to show penance. Like, it is... To tattoo yourself every time? It didn't look like it was... Ta- it looked like he was... That didn't look tattooed to me. That looked like... Like, body modification. Like, like. Yeah. It did not look... Obviously, it, like, looks cool in the moment, but, like, it did not look like it was a... You know, like it, a fun it, time. it felt like that was maybe a uh, like a plot thread that they 
wanted to go into further and did not get a chance to. Because their movie was already two hours and ten minutes long. And then he didn't come back for the sequel. Right? He's not next three, right? No. He escaped that one. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it felt like, you know, they, they introduced the idea that he is a very, you know, has a very deep faith and... You know, like like all Catholic characters in media, he deals with a lot of guilt. Um, <laughs> Why'd you say in media? Like uh, all Catholic like all ca- people. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> I didn't want to generalize, but I guess I can. Uh, yeah, you're allowed I'm, to. I'm allowed, because <laughs> Lord knows that's all I feel. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you know, it's, there's, it's like, um, what is it? Is it Angels and Demons or Da Vinci Code? It's been a long time since I read those, and I've never seen the movies. But there's yeah, that like lashes. Yeah, you know there is a history. You know it's not encouraged or anything, but there is a history of like self-flagellation and other kinds of like physical penance that people do. You know, certainly it is not a required thing. It is not endorsed anymore by the church, but it is something that anymore. I mean, I don't know if it was ever officially, but, you know, the 1500s, you know, people were crazy. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, um, but certainly. If you lash yourself, we won't have to do it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can you can prove your penance, you know, that way. And now penance is, you know, go say 10 Hail Marys. Uh, a lot easier. Um, but the, you know, the idea that, you know, people exact a physical toll on themselves out of guilt I mean that that would have been an interesting avenue to go down with Nightcrawler eventually, uh, and, and it felt like it was something they were setting up, but I felt like they also just didn't handle it well because like having Storm say, "Oh, they're beautiful," I'm like mm-hmm, no, it's it's self harm. I mean, that's not beautiful. I agree. That's you know I did not care for that line, and as mu- as much as I love Nightcrawler and I think he's a very you know he's my favorite X Man, um, and I think he's you know one of the best characters in this movie. And, and and I think it's too bad that we never actually got to really explore that side of him. Uh, and I feel like it was done uh, in a little bit of a shallow way in this movie. Um, and and that line in particular, like, stood out to me as, mm, don't like that. You can say the designs are beautiful, but, you know, don't say that, you know, the things you've scratched into your face because you feel guilty. Don't You don't call that beautiful. Um, I, I just it was a little too trite and what about on. the things that you pay other people to scratch into your body because you feel depression are well, those allowed to be beautiful <laughs> well that's <laughs> tattooing and self-flagellation <laughs> are very different things i know <laughs> maybe hey, not for everybody but for most people of, i i some i have a semantics question about nightcrawler too is it always a thing for him that he has to be able to see where he's teleporting i th- like outside of this I feel like that's one of those things that maybe was a rule early on, but as he got more powerful, they... And it's not that he has to, it's more that he chooses that because he's being careful. Sure, okay. Yeah. Do you think that's the case? And I mean, that must be the case in this film, too, because he does, at the end, he says, I can't see yeah, in he, there, and then he goes he, anyway. Yeah, he, he explicitly says, I, I have to be able to see where I'm going, or I might end up in a wall or something. But also... The way that I've interpreted this since I saw this movie for the first time is that it's like a line of sight thing. Do you think that's the correct interpretation? No, I I think it's just a safety thing where he's like, you know, 
I can like. But besides, like, if we're following the safety rule, okay, is it a line of sight thing? Do mm. you think? Because in the very first scene, when he first starts running around the White House, he runs by a dude, uh-huh. and then you hear the bamf sound, and then he's in a hallway on the opposite side of that dude that is separated by at least three walls. Mm. So he would not have been able to see the place that he bamfed to to run on the other side of this man if line of sight is the thing. That's right. why I'm asking, because immediately two, he breaks his own rule. Two possible interpretations here. One, as long as he has seen the room and has an idea of what uh, of what the layout is, he can get there yeah. safely. That's what I'm trying to... Um, I think the more likely interpretation is that this was 2003 mm-hmm. and staying to the rules of the character that you've already established <laughs> are not top priority as far as making this scene. Was that your number two? Uh, my, num- well, my number two is going to be he's being mind controlled right now, so he's not thinking about that. Oh, that's also, yeah. I think all of them might be true. <laughs> yeah, it could be, yeah. <laughs> Some combination therein yeah. of, of those three. It's Yeah. I don't like some of the way this is written. You'll see. After a lengthy oh, I battle know. with Secret Service agents successfully defeating the President's Secret Service detail using his teleportation, he is shot in the arm by a disabled guard and then vanishes at the last moment, leaving behind a knife with a tag that reads Mutant Freedom Now. The way yeah. that is written is not good. <laughs> Come on, Marvel Wiki, or X-Men Wiki. <laughs> you nameless anonymous editors. Yeah. <laughs> the incident stirs up anti-mutant feelings around the country, supporting <laughs> the Mutant Registration Act elim- that eliminates peaceful coexistence. You know what I find really interesting about these X-Men movies? is that they the X-Men started as an allegory or as a metaphor for racism and then eventually turned into a metaphor for like homophobia mm-hmm. and interestingly in this movie we are very absent of both people of color besides uh, Halle Berry and anyone and Nightcrawler who is gay <laughs> in the real life I guess besides Patrick Stewart and um, well, not, um Ian McKellen not, I don't think Patrick Stewart's gay I think he has a wife. I could be wrong. Ian, Ian McKellen. For Ian sure. McKellen's definitely. You looking it up? Yeah. Your laptop's at like thirty percent battery, bro. This is important. All right. He doing it. Okay, so he's not. But Ian McKellen is gay. And I think it's. This is. I'll, I'll bring this up now because it's not a major point, but. I think it's interesting that Bobby, Iceman, you know, he's gay in the comics. And that is something that came along later. And he is the character that they hit you over the head the most with the metaphorical mm-hmm. gayness, I guess. Because he has that line about, you know, imagine loving someone and not being able to be close to them. Yeah. Oh, you know? uh, yeah, and yeah. Then, and then, of course, that his whole mom. scene with his parents is a coming out allegory. Yeah. yeah. Um, Have you tried not being a mutant? Yeah, all of that. Like, it is... It, I, I went back and I read Roger Ebert's review of this movie from when it came out, and he gave it three out of four stars. Um, and he even said, you know... Why does he deal in four stars instead of five? That's better than dealing in four skins. Oh, God. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. Moving on. <laughs> but he even called out that scene in 2003 as saying that it would probably set a good template for teens who are thinking about having that actual conversation with their parents. Mm. Um, 
which is which I thought was interesting. Um, but yeah, like he is like the one where they are really driving home the metaphor of what it's like. You're born a certain way that makes you different from other people, and other people might not you not accept you for it. Um, Do you think they made him not gay partially because that it like they weren't people weren't as forward about that kind of stuff in media, but also because he was the only one that could. And this is a stretch. He's the only one on the team that could kiss Rogue without dying. <laughs> well, they, he wasn't gay in the comics until after these movies had already come oh, out. Oh, gotcha, like, That gotcha. was a later revelation. I would also say that these writers, I'm sure, were like, we can't have gay people in the movie or else the metaphor doesn't work because then we're just saying the metaphor. Maybe. Yeah. That's why it... Not not to get too deep into things, but using fantasy or science fiction as an allegory for racism or homophobia or anything, it gets into a bit of a murky area, yeah. I think, um, because there's never a gr- 100% great parallel um, because the thing about mutants or the thing about you know, superheroes or whatever it might be. I'm thinking about Zootopia as well, where they use predators as the stand-in for racism or whatever. The thing about a mutant is that they actually could kill you with their mind. They actually have dangerous powers, whereas, you know, gay people don't have secret dangerous powers. Do you know <laughs> that for sure? I... I, I know mean, you're I'm, trying to make a serious I've point. Never, I've never asked. <laughs> um, I know. I think that there's more of a parallel than you think, at least in that regard, because I think you think about to like you know the AIDS scare and, and things like that, and people that is true. People treated them people like they treated had some like, sort of, like they yeah. were dangerous. And, and the 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 difference is though that it's the perception by the small minded that people are dangerous versus the textual fact um, that. You know, like I think of Zootopia a lot because I, I enjoyed that movie. But because of Judy Hopps, isn't it? <laughs> no, I don't think about Judy Hopps. <laughs> no, what I think about the most of the Zootopia is it's that sloth. They sell really like damn that bunny's thick. No, they they <laughs> they sell ice cream in in Zootopia. That's where right. does the milk come from? Oh, oh yeah, no. uh, that's my biggest question. But uh, question number two is if the uh, if the lesson of Zootopia is the prey animals should not treat the predators like secondhand citizens, then why is the whole plot of the movie about how the predator animals are actually secretly instinctually danger- dangerous and they need to keep those base dangerous instincts in check? That's actual racism. That is yeah. what, you know, white people have been saying about black people forever, okay? Is that they're, like, naturally savage or something. You know, that is, like white supremacy 101 and that really makes zootopia uncomfortable for me if i think about it thanks for fucking ruining that movie i'm sorry it's just you know (laughs) nice job chris let's continue with our synopsis sorry so judy hops gets on the plane (laughs) gets on the train (laughs) and shakira starts playing that song is really good i know that song is that song makes me tear up (laughs) does it really yeah it's just so empowering Try everything, it was, man. It is a good song. Yeah. It's a good message. <laughs> we can all agree on that. Yeah. Damn, I can't believe 
Chris wants to have sex with that rabbit. That is Wolverine. That finally is quite are, you, are you projecting? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Come on, you've never thought. You don't forget it. No. <laughs> No, I haven't. Come on. You didn't man. have weird feelings when, like, Bugs Bunny would dress up as a woman to trick Elmer Fudd? No, but Lola no. Bunny? <laughs> wee I've learned a lot about Eduardo she in did this last. <laughs> she did some things to me, man. Lola Bunny? Seconds. You guys. Don't ever gonna, call you're me. You're going to sit doll. here and tell me you didn't have feelings for Lola Bunny. You're going to tell me I'm wrong, Doug? <laughs> There's no way. She came down in a bubble. I'm not the weird one for thinking Loli, B- Lola Bunny was hot when I was young. You are the weird ones. <laughs> but, yeah. It's okay. Sure. I'm not going to let you do this to me. I'm not going to let you ga- gaslamp you know, me. You know, I'm not, gonna, <laughs> I'm not gaslamping you. Do you know what uh, rabbit-named character I do think is hot is Jessica Rabbit. There you go. Why are you looking at me like Jessica Rabbit is not hot? The human person? Yeah, have you seen her? Yeah, the conventionally attractive one? Sure. Sure, sure. (laughs) Can't forget the Bev. (laughs) Never, never. We've gone way off the We reference that in every podcast at this point. (laughs) Wolverine finally reaches the snowy Alkali Lake, the facility used for experiments on mutants like him. Hoping to learn about his origins, he finds nothing but an abandoned, empty, and decayed building near a dam. Hey, you know what didn't age well? Mm. The transition from Wolverine's face to the wolf's face. I had to rewind that (laughs) to show Bailey because I was like, Bailey, you have to see this. You have to see the greatest transition in cinema history right here. This is incredible. Uh, It is so slow and weird. (laughs) The final shot of Psycho is a classic shot because it's spoilers. Norman Bates is you know sitting in a in a police room for questioning and it was it's the next to last shot and then it cross fades so that you start to see his mother's skull superimposed over his face and it's a very it's a very good shot it works in the moment this was like that but stupid And it's not even a Wolverine. Yeah, it's just a wolf. If they he's, were gonna he's do not that, Wolverine. Yeah, if they if they were gonna do that, they should have done it with a stuffed Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverines are not wolves. People people need to know. Plus, they were in a museum, so it could it literally could have been. It's not like I, I I'm sure there aren't a lot of people. You know, you see like the hunting displays. They might have a wolf's head, stuffed head on their wall or something. But they're in a museum, so they easily could have it had a stuffed in a Wolverine. Right. Meanwhile, the mutants of Professor Xavier's School for the Gifted visit a museum. Jean Grey is confronted by Cyclops after she demonstrates her lack of focus. She confesses to him that she has been having bad feelings about the future, expressing fear of not controlling her powers. In another part of the museum, Jubilee is walking around until her powers start to flare. A few women see her, but Jubilee quickly hides her powers and walks away. This happens. I don't remember. I don't that. remember this. I don't happening. remember that. I don't at all. remember this happening at all. What is it like Jubilee, extended cut that but, this is about? But Jubilee was credited, and not only was she credited, she was in like the credit the yeah before the credits credits. Interesting. So maybe is there a word for that before like the actual credit roll? If you're one of the like oh um that is called the main. It's the main. Oh, um, they're in. The, she's in the main. Yeah. So they have the. That's why. 
I don't know black if, butterflies if you, and that's usually vu. what I have after my salad. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> we went yeah. two different routes there. That's some movies have their main titles at the beginning, some have it at the end when it's on the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called the main on end, which is if you've ever re- looked at the Avengers Endgame soundtrack, the track that plays over that is just called main on end. That's oh, okay. what it's called. So main main at the start or main on end. Um, I, I need to interject here, um, and it's going to be one of the rare times I actually use my college degree. Um, Storm is giving a lecture about Neanderthals. You think you're better than me. I don't. <laughs> I don't. But I haven't done any anthropology in years, so here, here's some. When I when I was studying anthropology, so she talks about how- That store smells good. Anthropology? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, she's like, oh, people used to think that Neanderthals and Cro-Magnon Man, I think she even says, were separate, but uh, there is evidence now- that they actually interbred, leading to us, modern humans. And let me tell you, the actual, this is in 2003. Uh, I was in college. Uh, I, I was studying anthropology from 2006 to th- 2010. And when I was studying anthropology in school, the commonly accepted idea uh, was that Neanderthals did not and or could not interbreed with early modern humans, Homo sapiens, um, also known as Cro-Magnon Man. Um, and that if they did, nobody living today could trace their lineage to Neanderthals. In 2010, after I graduated, they finally cracked the Neanderthal genome and found out actually, yes, uh, especially in Europe, uh, people actually do have some uh, genes that can be traced back to Neanderthals. There is no, and and this is a very, it's very, very complicated. I'm not going to get into everything. A lot of it has to do with like uh, viral immunity and stuff. There's um, no evidence of like mitochondrial DNA, which means that the you can't trace the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah, the powerhouse of the cell, um, which is passed down through the mother. Uh, so <laughs> it seems likely that it, anything that has gotten to modern humans came from male Neanderthals um, mating with Homo sapiens. Um, but one thing that is not true is that. Homo sapiens and Neanderthals bred, and that's what made modern humans. That is not true. <laughs> it is not that humans are a hybrid of early modern humans, as, as they call them anthropology, Homo sapiens and Homo neanderthalensis, which is sometimes called Homo sapiens neanderthalensis. There's a whole debate there of whether it's a separate species or a subspecies. Um, the point is that is not how it works. It's not, oh, they bred and that's what made humans because... Um, sub-Saharan African uh, people, like people of that descent, there is no Neanderthal DNA uh, present there because Neanderthals evolved in Europe. So anyway, that's my long digression into genetics and how it's changed uh, the study of anthropology. Um, So that's all. It just made me think of that and made me stop the movie to do a bunch of research. I'm like, hang on, this is wrong now. Let Let me look this up. I'm like, because that's definitely not what people thought in 2003, but later we found out that that was closer to the truth than they thought, but still not true. They were ahead of their time. Yeah, ish. Some In some ways. So in the food court, Iceman Rogue and Pyro engage in an altercation with two other young men. After Pyro sets one of the boys' clothes on fire and Iceman extinguishes him, everyone in the museum freezes as if time has stopped. Only the mutants are unaffected. Professor Xavier wheels in, yeah. amused by the situation. I was waiting for you to, to get to that. 
Uh, it's his nickname, actually. It's Wheels. Yeah. Lectures Pyro on showing off and decides that it is time to leave. So, is that... That's another thing I'm curious about. Is that a canon Professor Xavier power as well? Comic people? That he can freeze people with his mind? That he can freeze time with his mind? He doesn't uh, freeze time. He freezes the people. Well, I mean... Yeah, sure, but he froze everybody, and he does it again in the end of the movie, too, and it seems like a weird thing for him to be able to do. And it raises a question. I Theoretically, I can imagine him being able to like freeze everyone in the room because he has control over everyone's mind. It's interesting that he doesn't need Cerebro to do that. Uh, That's what I would think. I yeah. think he would need Cerebro to do something like that. Well, I guess, sure, because if he's in their mind, he can just... Uh, no thoughts, head empty. Yeah, to everyone. But when he does it to the president at the end, does he also turn off the TV camera? Because I bet he's not freezing the whole world. No, no, no. Mind. They show it's Storm. Storm, it happens first. Storm comes in, oh. causes an electrical storm, cuts and it, the power. it cuts okay. the power. An electrical Aurora. So anyone watching at home got like a minute and a half of dead air. Yes. Okay. Hmm. And then the president came back. Okay. Thank a retired you. military scientist, Colonel William Stryker, played by that guy from Succession, who hates and wants to destroy the entire mutant race, visits the president, mentioning how close the teleporter had gotten to the president. He gets approval for an attack on the school, which he has discovered by interrogating the imprisoned Magneto. Mystique, in the disguise of the late Senator Kelly, tries to object, but fails. Later, Stryker visits Magneto in his plastic prison to question him again, using a chemical placed on the back of his neck. Stryker demands to know everything Magneto <laughs> knows about Cerebro. Why does that sound so... Uh, my word play, my word choice is intentional here. Why does visits Magneto in his plastic prison sound so metal? <laughs> Something about that sound. You visit me in my plastic prison. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of Blink-182 of you, but I, I, it works. Yeah, and, uh, That wasn't metal, I'm sorry, but that's what it made me think of for that's some okay. reason. Wolverine reappears at the School for the Gifted to get more answers about his past. Professor Xavier shows him the powerful Cerebro system which can connect him to everyone on the planet, mutants and humans alike. Wolverine wants the professor to read his mind again for more information about his past, but Xavier explains that he can't tell Wolverine everything, that he will have to find some some uh, find out some things for himself. Wolverine is then immediately forced to babysit the children of the school. I want to talk about Wolverine in this movie because I think he is so much better in this movie than he is in the first one. Yes. I found him insufferable in the first movie. I didn't like the way he was written. I didn't like a lot of the comedy in the first one. I thought it was really bad and really poorly written. I think it is much better in this mm -hmm. movie. I think instead of showing middle finger claws, I think the the slightly more understated uh, comedic jokes that happen. Comedic jokes. The jokes that happen in this. <laughs> These comedic jokes of <laughs> yours. Instead of the sad jokes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, these jokes that happen in this movie are much, much better, and I yeah. think they're much more timeless. I think mm -hmm. the other ones show their age a little more from the first movie, like where he does the thing. It was in all the trailers where he like takes out his his claws, and it's the cat there, and the cat like licks his claws, yeah. and it's like a funny little moment. Yeah, uh, I really liked him just giving uh, Iceman the Dr Pepper so he could. That was such a fun little what bit. What a not aged well thing for COVID, though. Hey, blow on my soda before I drink it. <laughs> That's fair. That's a different time. Uh, also, yeah. you say, I'm sorry, you say the middle th finger thing you didn't like from the first movie, but he does it in this movie. It's just a lot more subtle. When they steal Cyclops' car, the pyro's like, 
this is Cyclops's car, and he like smiles about it. But when he starts the engine, he extends his middle his middle finger claw to like start the car. Also, he starts the car yeah, with his claw. I don't think that's like that weird because he's just using a claw to start. But it's his middle know. finger to Cyclops's car. Yeah, it's more balanced to turn it. That I way. think I think that's less of a gag and more of just like it'd be it it is not symmetrical to use the other either one of the other two to do this. It makes sense to use the middle one. Yeah. Hmm. Um. One one of my notes was just that every like the writing and the acting are just a lot looser in this yep. movie than the first one. It it feels kind of like an MCU movie in kind a lot of, of ways, um, of. you know, with a, a lot of quipping, a lot of funny little like character beats, like as a tag at the end of of a scene, like like the Dr Pepper thing. Um, there there are probably a couple. Of, I mean, I actually wrote wrote down the thing about um, him handing the drink to Bobby. Oh, the kid who changes the channel by blinking. Yeah, what a fun superpower. Yeah. <laughs> I never sleep. Blink, <laughs> blink. I couldn't find it, but I remember reading a review of this movie way back when that called that kid Remoto. <laughs> <laughs> so that is canon in my head that Ramoto. that kid is that kid's uh, superhero name is Remoto. You guys think uh, <laughs> who do you think is cooler, the kid that can change the TV with his eyeballs, or the kid that has that weird tongue? Um. Hmm. I, I would the TV one. I feel like if you can control it, as long as you're not accidentally changing the channel every time you blink, that's a, a better power. The weird tongue is just a weird tongue. I think the weird tongue kid. That's not his only power though, because you're gonna read this near the end of the notes. That kid has like a full credited name, oh. and I think that he's a is kid it not version. Remoto? I no. I think that he is like a kid version of maybe some like later popular X Men or something. I don't know, but I don't know why they would go to lengths to give him a full name instead of like Arthur Arty Maddox. Yeah, um, which is funny because that name appears on uh the computer. Oh, it's right here, Arty oh, yeah, Maddox. There it is. Yeah, that's weird. I feel like they didn't think hard about that, maybe. <laughs> In fact, when Mystique's on the computer, there's two scenes that show a bunch of Easter eggs, which are just the names of other mutants. There's the, the picture I just showed you, which is when she's looking at like a list of names in a text format. Okay, powers and abilities, formerly telepathic, able to mind lock others to paralyze them mentally and physically, and manifest holographic pictograms representing the visual thoughts and memories of himself and others, he's now depowered. And he looks like this. Yep. You're talking about Artie. Artie Maddox. Okay, so his powers are cooler. <laughs> yeah. Although he does not have them anymore. So he's depowered. Would you rather have that and then get depowered or be able to blink to change the channel? <laughs> he's so also uh, not an X-Men. He was, what was he? I mean, I guess technically an X-Men, but he was X-Factor. Oh. Gotcha. Yeah, he's. I don't. I think they just they just pooled a list of mutant names and put them on the screen for for that Mystique scene because he's in the movie. the The thing that she is infiltrating isn't this. Isn't that like a log of all of the prisoners 
That was what I thought it was. So, I thought it was, but maybe it's just a list of known mutants. Yeah, I thought it was okay. like a, like a list of like mutants that we have information on. Gotcha. That makes more sense because in this screenshot where it's the list, there's not that many names, but one of them is obviously this kid we're talking about who is not in the prison. Yeah. But then if you look at the shot of the desktop with all the different folders on it, it's really hard to see because movies were not in HD in that time. So even when you pause and you walk up to the screen and you like squint into it, it's still blurry. But like the names of the mutants in that f- on that desktop with all the folders are like good guys too. Mm-hmm. Like Professor Xavier was one of the folder files. So it's just people that they're watching. It's just literally names of mutants. Okay. Yeah. Um all over the all across the board. After some difficulty, Professor Xavier locates Nightcrawler with Cerebro and sends Storm and Jean to retrieve him. They find Nightcrawler in a church, and he willingly comes along with them. Mystique disguises herself and breaks into Stryker's computers to learn more about his plans. Jean Grey and Storm find the fast-moving mutant assassin, Nightcrawler. (laughs) It becomes evident that he was coerced. He has a scar similar to the one on the back of Magneto's neck, indicating that he's been influenced by Stryker himself. Wolverine awakens to nightmares of his first memories and heads to the kitchen. While conversing with Iceman, a military invasion of the school begins. A handful of people are awake before the treacherous raid on the school for gifted youngsters. Wolverine and many of the students use their abilities to defend themselves. Most of the mutants escape, but six of the children are captured and taken away. The soldiers attempt to sedate every mutant they find, but Siren wakes everybody Siren, Siren I excuse think. me, wakes everybody up with her sonic screams. Colossus and Wolverine round up a number of the students. Skinny American Colossus. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> cool shout out to his character though. Yeah, I mean that actor didn't last, right? No. He's just in this movie. Yep. They spelled the character's name wrong in the credits too. They left the S out of Rasputin. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just Raputin? Yeah, it's just <laughs> Raputin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I have too much dairy. Yes, we know. Uh, We've Wolver- heard the war cries. <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine stays behind to confront the attackers, but is shocked to discover that they are being led by William Stryker. Stryker, himself surprised to see Wolverine in the mansion, reveals that he knows much about Wolverine and wishes for him to come to the military to discuss it. After admitting, come to the military. We'll discuss this. <laughs> <laughs> come with the military. Oh, okay. apologies. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I, I 100% believe that it said come to the military. <laughs> That's my bad. <laughs> After admitting that the Institute was the last place he'd expect to find him in. Confused, Wolverine asks who he was, but to Wolverine's frustration, Bobby erects an ice wall to allow their escape. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Yeah, Bobby. Erect that ice wall. (laughs) I had to laugh in this scene, too, because obviously it is impossible for me to think about to watch X-Men without thinking about the videos that we referenced last time, Xavier firing them. And there's a point where Wolverine is defending the students and the dude with the dart gun is shooting at him and his response is to run at that dart gun guy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you're going to run at Magneto? (laughs) I have a motorcycle. (laughs) Stryker and his henchmen break into Cerebro to strip it for parts. Wolverine, Rogue, Bobby, and Pyro escape in Cyclops' car and head to Boston to meet Storm and Jean Grey. Wolverine reveals to the three teens that the man who invaded the mansion was Stryker, but he's unable to remember who he was or what he does. 
Bobby is from Boston, so the group <laughs> stops at his house until they can contact Storm and Jean Grey. Ooh, the bad boy from Boston. <laughs> Cyclops and Professor Xavier go to visit Magneto in the peculiar plastic prison. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. That's some Stan Lee level alliteration right there. That they have created to nullify Magneto's powers. Magneto explains that Stryker has been questioning him and points out that his son, Jason Stryker, was once a student at the school. To Professor Xavier's horror, Magneto confesses that he has told Stryker everything. At that moment, gas enters the prison chamber and both men pass out. Outside, Cyclops fights the prison guards but is defeated by Stryker's powerful assistant, Lady Deathstrike. I I do think it's interesting. I, I love that we get a little bit more, even without them appearing in scenes together uh, very much in this movie, we get a better idea of Magneto and Xavier's relationship here, where you have the bad guy of the first movie, who also does some bad stuff in this movie, but he never intended to sell out his rival. You know, like he feels actual regret for that. And and I just think that's... You know what movie dynamic. series is trying to capture a uh, a relationship like this that is failing the fantastic beast movies uh, they really want dumbledore and grindelwald to be professor xavier and magneto but with kissing yeah what <laughs> what yeah with kissing yeah 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 dumbledore loved grindelwald it was never stated oh, in the I didn't books know that. Yeah, it's one of those things where, after the fact, J.K. Rowling is like, oh, by the way, did you know that Dumbledore was in love with Grindelwald? She like, oh, used you should have said that in the book. She used some interesting. really interesting words. Interesting. Uh, the, the way that she said it, she was like, she he was in a ferociously gay relationship with Grindelwald or something like that. The way she said it was super weird. It was ex post facto representation, uh, um, huh. you know, which actually, which they are, I think, finally, I mean, I've only seen the first Fantastic Beast movie. That's Same. Why. That's why I didn't know about. It's so yeah. weird that J.K. Rowling is like, "Oh, let me show you all this representation." Yes. By the way, here's the one Asian character in all of Harry Potter, Cho Chang. Yeah. Yeah. She's I am Korean. Also, That's why we named her Cho Chang. Which I'm neither of which are Korean names. I'm really confused that a turf would want to uh, make sure that there is gay representation of one character in her movies. Well. Turfs are okay with with gay people, sure. Sometimes, uh. I mean, yeah. If you're if you're a turf, I mean that that in itself implies that you're okay with you're okay with everybody except for trans people. <laughs> it's wild. Anyway, <laughs> Professor Xavier awakes with Stryker and his assistant, Lady Deathstrike. Stryker explains that the metal brace on Xavier's head prevents him from using his psychic power. I love that we always have to do this. There are several times in these X-Men movies where we have to be like, all right, this guy is clearly too powerful. How do we make it so that he's not too powerful and doesn't ruin the movie because he could just do whatever he wants? Metal hats. Metal hat. (laughs) (laughs) They argue about mutants and Stryker's son, a powerful mutant illusionist who did not stay at Xavier's school. Wait, 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 wait. Is that Magneto's helmet origin in the comics, too? Yeah. yeah. Okay. At least that's comic accurate. Mm-hmm. At one point, Deathstrike seems to look around her in a daze, and Stryker gives her another dose of the chemical he uses to control her on the back of her neck. 
Xavier realizes that Stryker caused the assassination attempt in order to manipulate the president. Stryker admits his chemical would not be strong enough to work on the professor, so he brings in his mutant son Jason to influence Professor Xavier's mind. Who he refers to as just a number, uh, first of all. And the way Patrick Stewart delivers the line, my God, this is your son. Like I, I thought that was like a really well-acted scene by... I agree. You know, one of the greatest actors of our time. (laughs) (laughs) Jason Stryker. I mean, Logan Roy. I mean, that's not his name. That's his name in Succession. But he's really good in Succession. Who is that? Jason Uh, Stryker? Stryker. No, not Jason Stryker. The other one. William Stryker. Old Stryker. Old Stryker. Oh, duh. I knew that. Yeah, yeah, he's in Succession. He plays Logan Roy. Fuck off. For all you Succession fans, that'll mean something to you. Fuck off! That's like the only thing I know about Succession is him going, fuck off! (laughs) In the meantime, Mystique has been posing as Senator Robert Kelly and also Stryker's assistant, Yuriko Oyama, in order to obtain information about Magneto's prison. She eventually manages to trick one of his security guards, Lario, because Luigi and Mario (laughs) were both taken, and drugs him and injects something into him. Later, Lario brings Magneto his breakfast. Sabi. <laughs> Magneto notices something different about him. It seems Mystique has put iron into his blood, which Magneto pulls out with his powers. It seems. Uh, killing Lario in the process. I thought this was actually really cool. It's not how science works, but I love this scene. Yeah, I think yeah. it's yeah. so good. Yeah, I also was like, would you really get enough metal out of that to make these If he had that much plates? iron in his blood the, that he was pulling that much out, he'd be dead. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you see how much metal she's putting into him like in, in the oh, bathroom yeah. scene. Oh, yeah. It's like goop. Yeah. And, oh, gosh. Like him just like when he steps onto the, when he forms it into a disc and he's got the two like circulating around him like electrons. Yeah. Uh, it's just such a cool image. It is cool. That bathroom scene, though, made me realize, and I guess it was the thing that pushed me over the edge because I did realize this before. Uh, Maybe this was just a thing in action movies, or maybe it's just Brian Singer being awful, (laughs) but this movie is, like, way over-sex-appealed. There's, like, way too much just, like, sexy time stuff in the movie, and it makes me uncomfortable. Like, Like, taking this dude into the bathroom to, like, take advantage of him as mystique um there's like the insinuation in the talk like in the conversations between like iceman and wolverine when they first meet when wolverine just is so how do you you know what never mind yeah like you know he's talking about like how do you fuck each other like it's a weird thing to put in the movie. And, the the and, one that bothered me was how Bobby is like immediately jealous of Wolverine when he shows up. Yeah. And it's like, dude, this guy's like in his 40s. You're right. fine. I don't know. I think I think the 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 way that they use this kind of stuff in this movie is like it doesn't really it's part of why to me it doesn't age as well as I remembered it oh, aging. The other one that bothered me is when Mystique imitates Gene yeah. Yeah, that that bothered me because that's And there's you know, no reason for it. Like there's no reason for her to do that. Cuz there's not even any implication that she like has feelings for Wolverine no. in any way. Just randomly she's like, "Let's fuck with this guy." Yeah. Uh <laughs> I like disagree with both of you on almost all of this. Really? I agree to a very small degree the like 
bathroom scene with the guard, I think it like goes on too long. I just don't think it like adds anything. Mm. I don't think like the whole Bobby thing is that weird because Bobby's a kid and he's stupid and kids are gonna be stupid and that's, be like That's this, fair. This <laughs> old man is gonna come and take my girl because he's you know, he's yeah. a teenager. He doesn't I'll, I'll he, give you that. He's clearly just a dumb teenager trying to like, <laughs> yeah. you know, posture and be stupid. Yeah. Stay away from my girl, bro. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I think you could do some mental gymnastics and with the Wolverine line to Bobby and make it not about sex and just make it about physical intimacy in any form. Yeah. I didn't need to but I didn't need to do mental gymnastics to know like the way that his tone was and the way that he just dismissed it right afterwards like Yeah. It it was how do you guys have sex with each other? I don't think it, I I don't think it needed to be that far. Like how do you guys how are you guys intimate with each other could have also like I, I think he could have interpreted that scene the same way. How do you guys hold hands? How do you- yeah, how, well, and I don't. I think it's probably farther than hold hands. But yeah, how are yeah. you intimate? Like, how do you guys embrace each mm-hmm. other? How are you actually together? But also, isn't it weird for a forty-plus-year-old man to ask a teenager that? I don't know. Like, it's a teenager. He's like that. He just met. <laughs> first off, it's Logan. And oh yeah, he, Wolverine has no class. Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's like that out of pocket. I also don't think the ma- the mystique thing. With Wolverine in the tent, it's like that out of pocket for the mystique that we've been shown so far. She's like pretty clearly like someone who likes to fuck with people and be an agent of chaos. She's like fucked with people and turned into people multiple times to like fuck with other people. And like it's like just something she does. She just likes fucking with people. And I think yeah. that like that makes sense to me that she would like do something stupid like that. That one probably bothers me. And it's for me just a thing that doesn't age well. But there's a lot of like discourse in sci-fi fantasy about um especially that about rape by deception which sure. is what that would be sure so that made me uncomfortable it's like oh, this is technically a sexual assault that is happening yeah. right now and granted yes. it gets resolved very quickly and wolverine is just kind of angry about it and it it's not treated as something that gravely serious but i also just my 2022 brain went there and my like, my only gripe with that scene is that like why why was it there like, yes what did that it, that's that's what yeah. did it add to the movie it doesn't yeah. add it's just this little weird thing that we see like i don't i obviously like the whole like consent thing is definitely a problem for sure yeah uh, but like it just the more the bigger problem for me i guess i guess not bigger than consent because that's probably the biggest problem but another facet of it is why did we have that scene yeah, to begin it, with? it, it the feels movie, like a very pointless scene. the movie's yeah. already over two hours long which was a big deal in 2003 yeah that's yeah. pretty normal for a an mcu movie now mm-hmm. but in 2003 that's that's a commitment yep you know they they reduced the runtime of the theatrical versions of lord of the rings because they didn't think people could handle it right and th- and that was around the same time yeah yeah, it's yeah, it in a movie that is already long enough, it doesn't really tell us anything about the characters, it doesn't move the the plot forward. It's not funny. There's just really no reason for it. Yeah. I you know, all of those are things that I I can I can understand a scene if it if it tells us something about those characters, if it's crucial to the story or if it just is entertaining, but it was none of the above. It was just uncomfortable and weird, and then we moved on from it and never spoke of it again. I was like, yeah. okay, we didn't need this scene then. 
So Magneto forms the iron taken from the guard into small ball bearings, which he uses to demolish his plastic prison and escape. Wolverine and the kids, who are Pyro, Iceman, and Rogue, headed to Iceman's home in Boston. After an awkward (laughs) in the parking lot, you got smart power. (laughs) (laughs) After an awkward meeting between his parents and Wolverine, Iceman decides to tell his parents, who believe he has been going to boarding school, that he is a mutant. His parents are shocked (laughs) to learn the truth, especially when their son demonstrates his powers by freezing a cup of tea. During the discussion, Iceman's disgruntled brother runs upstairs and calls the police, telling them that mutants are holding his family hostage. Wolverine, meanwhile, receives a call from Storm, who decides to come and pick them up. I do like that. Uh, Wolver- I do like the joke that Wolverine says he's an art teacher. Yes, I love that. It's it's really quick, but I thought it was funny. When the police arrive, a police officer mistakes Wolverine's claws for knives and orders him to drop them. When Wolverine tries to explain and sheaths his claws, the officer shoots Wolverine in the head, which doesn't go completely through thanks to his adamantium skull. Speaking of things that aged like accurate milk. I mean, it's it's the most accurate thing in the whole movie. This this, like fake movie about the cop shoots him before he's even able to explain what's going on. No way. No way. Color me shocked. Pyro becomes enraged and begins using his flame-controlled powers to attack the officers and destroy their cars with blasts of fire and seems intent on killing several officers. Just before his attack turns deadly, Rogue grabs hold of his ankle with her bare hand. (laughs) Pyro falls to the ground, drained of his powers, which Rogue then uses to put the fires out. The X-Jet arrives to pick them up, grossing, and Wolverine, now fully (laughs) recovered, stands up, and the bullet falls out. During the flight, the X-Jet is targeted by two Air Force F-16s who attempt to force a landing. After the X-Jet refuses to land, the pilots fire missiles. I don't want to. Storm creates a me. number of tornadoes in order to lose the aircraft. Yeah, what the fuck, by the way? You just, imagine you're just living in the vague <laughs> north northeastern uh, United States uh, uh, presumably kind of close-ish to Boston and just fucking 70 tornadoes appear in the sky (laughs) and these two random fucking fighter jet pilots are avoiding for the most part all 70 tornadoes what What a weird scene it's so weird Uh, one plane is unable to maintain control and ejects the other is able to fire two missiles before ejecting Storm attempts evasive maneuvers but quickly loses distance. Jean uses her powers at an unnaturally high level and is able to destroy one of the missiles. Perhaps a manifestation <laughs> of her Phoenix Force. <laughs> if I wouldn't have deleted the parentheses, that is basically exactly how he would have read that. Unfortunately, the other detonates directly behind the jet, rupturing the fuselage. In the ensuing depressurization, Rogue is pulled out of her seat and out into a freefall. Nightcrawler teleports out the jet to grab Rogue, then teleports back in, saving her life. The jet, still en route to crash landing, is stopped at the last moment by Magneto, who is standing on the ground. That's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like the Kurt bamfing out to save her. I, I just, I mean, it's a quick thing, but you know, I, I like that we are now getting a heroic moment with him after he was introduced as a mind-controlled demon-looking guy trying to kill the president. <laughs> 
Magneto explains that he has learned that Stryker has Cerebro and has orchestrated the attack on the president in order to gain approval to attack the school and has been experimenting on mutants, including Nightcrawler at, Nightcrawler, at a secret base. With it, he can make Professor Xavier focus on any group of people, such as mutants, and kill them. Magneto also reveals that Stryker is one of the only people who can manipulate adamantium, the metal in Wolverine's bones. Um, this scene, you know, when... Uh Wolverine is like, did the professor know? And Magneto's like, the professor thought you were smart enough to figure it out on your own. He gives you more credit than I do. I, and I hope I'm not out of pocket for saying this. I love that even when Magneto is helping people, he's a petty old queen. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's so good in this movie. That And like also when he and Mystique are laughing, he looks over and goes, we love what you've done with your hair. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is just like, <laughs> saying whatever he wants because he knows they can't like kill him right now because they need him. <laughs> That's so fun. I love it. Jean Grey reads Nightcrawler's mind and determines that Stryker's base is located at located at Alkali Lake. When Wolverine claims that there is nothing at Alkali Lake, Jean insists that the base is inside the dam, which is why Wolverine can never Damn. find it. Oh, I didn't think of going inside the building. <laughs> I'm gonna run at him. Yeah. Stryker gains control over Professor Xavier through Jason, who was able to project powerful visions in the mind, blinding a person to reality. Jason, in the form of a young girl, instructs Professor X to use Cerebro to find all existing mutants and kill them. Lyman asks Stryker why they are keeping the mutant children. He explains that he wants to be sure mutants are really dying when Cerebro operates. So, did they just decide for this movie specifically that... Professor X is the dumbest motherfucker on planet Earth out of nowhere. What fucking striker literally describes Jason to a T, including his powers to Professor X before all of this happens. He literally says, my son can do this stuff. That's not literal. He doesn't say my son can do this stuff. And then his son does the stuff and it completely fools who is supposed to be an Illuminati level intelligent man. Hold on. Then, later in the movie, when Storm and Nightcrawler bamf into the room, Storm doesn't at all for a second fall for this illusion trap. She immediately Mm. knows that the kid is not, and she doesn't know anything about this mutant. So the guy is able to fool the professor and, and Nightcrawler, but not Storm. My- I'm not saying Storm is dumb. I'm saying Illuminati-level man who is told the plot doesn't know what's happening to him. My my no-prize explanation for this is going to be that once Storm and Nightcrawler enter Cerebro, Jason now has to divide his attention between them. So it's a little... It's not as powerful. Hmm. Because he's now maintaining two illusions at once as opposed to just focusing everything on this omega level telepath i also think that we were not shown a lot and there's a good chance that this whole thing with him and jason has been going on for a while and he has been jason has been what with a collar around uh charles's neck has been just fucking his mind up this whole time for yeah. like hours and hours and hours until we got to this point because they even say that xavier was afraid of his powers because like right. jason is supposed to be just Also an Omega level, Mm -hmm. like extremely powerful uh, illusion master. So if Professor, okay, 
maybe this doesn't help you your no prize maybe it does i don't know the professor is strong enough without cerebro to freeze a large handful of people in a room he's afraid of this guy who is maintaining one illusion on him now he has to maintain three illusions because there are three total good guys in the room with him and he can't do it the professor who can freeze 25 people at a time wait, wait, at what point? against Jason who can't maintain an illusion for three people at a time. I just, I, I, I don't understand how he got bamboozled and I don't understand how he couldn't keep Storm from understanding it. Or keep Storm from, like, you know what I mean? Like, something, anything to trick the two of them. Omega level. He doesn't feel very Omega is what I'm saying. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's just a case of it worked in the movie. Yeah. yeah it's, I don't it's, think it was something they were thinking of very much. Yeah, it's uh, as the story requires, you, you need the drama. So, yeah. I mean, you, you, you fudge with things and... Here's what I think should have happened. Kurt's like, hey, I can't bamf in there because I can't see where I'm going. Here's how I think this would this could have worked. I can't bamf in there because I can't see where I'm going. Well, you got to have faith because that's a callback to what we said earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, Storm, let's go in there. They bamf in there together because he can't see where he's going. He doesn't... He doesn't... Well, he bamps into Jason's he bamps, body. Not into his body, him. but he bamps and maybe trips into the little girl because he's maintaining the illusion of being a little girl and that disrupts the illusion for a second because outside of the illusion in real life they like run into him sitting in his wheelchair and that's how they find out wait a second you're not a little girl Mm. I think that would have worked better than Storm just being like nah bro I don't know I I I guess I just didn't have a problem with it so I don't don't yeah I thought it worked just fine yeah Mm. I don't know. Obviously, it bothered me. Yeah. I will say, this is the point that I started to really hate this movie. Right Wow. Hate. I really enjoyed the first part of this movie all the way up until this point. But from the second we get to the base, the second they start on the assault of the base, I thought the ending of this movie took 25 to 30 more minutes than it needed to. (laughs) I thought the ending fights were so long. There were too many of them. There were too many conflicts. There were too many things being added and added and added and added. It started off with, we've got Stryker, and we've got what's going on with uh, Charles. Cool. And then we've got a fight Lady Deathstrike. Cool. And now the dam is bursting. Cool, and now we got to worry about Jean. Is she alive? They're just—is everyone gonna die? Like it is just a thing after a thing. And it, it, I paused it before this. There was another fifty-five minutes in the movie <laughs> before they assault this, like right before they're, where they're conducting their plan yeah. to assault the dam. <laughs> it goes on for an obscenely long time. This whole sequence is way, way too long, in my opinion. Yeah. It 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 shocked me because my memories of this movie were mostly the opening scene 
and then just story beats. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times when I was watching this, I was like, I don't remember this at all because I think I cut the fluff moments out in my in my mind. Like for memory's sake, I just didn't remember all of this random nonsense fluff that existed, you know? I will I will say that when Cyclops showed up, I'd forgotten he was even in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that they did him bad in X3. And I was like, oh, yeah, but he's barely in this one either. Because hmm. he disappears for the second act. Um, what does he do or not do in X3? I don't remember. You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> his role. We're not going to spoil the fucking 18-year-old movie for me. Uh, he unceremoniously <laughs> dies off screen in like the first 20 minutes. <laughs> oh. I thought it was on screen. Oh, is it? On, it might be on screen. Yeah, because he like is like morning Jean and she comes out of the water and is there as yeah. Phoenix and then she just smokes him. Oh, like yeah. turkey bacon. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I the one part where I really started to feel, oh, wow, this is dragging a little bit was when they I think they were escaping and I'm like, wait a minute, Jean still has to die at some point. Yep. How has that not happened yet? Yep. Where are they going to fit that in? I, I didn't feel overly long to me, but there definitely was like, hey, you know, we could have tightened up some of this, I think. Um, yeah, that is a, it, it clearly didn't bother me as much as it bothered you, but I did notice I was like, okay, well, you know, there's probably about five minutes worth of stuff that we could trim here and there to make this a little bit smoother. Sure. Magneto, Mystique, and the remaining X-Men stage their assault on the facility. Wolverine volunteers to enter the lab first, since Stryker wants him alive. Magneto disagrees. When Wolverine appears at the door, Stryker instructs the soldier to let him in, as he believes his experiment has finally decided to come home. But as soon as Stryker sees Wolverine in person, he knows it's not him. The imposter quickly changes into Mystique, who incapacitates and pacifies several guards, and manages to get into the laboratory's heavily fortified control room, opening up the main gate so that the X-Men can enter the facility. That is one thing I did like in this movie. In the comics, it does happen very, very often that the Brotherhood and the X-Men have to work together for A, B, or C. It is like Mm -hmm. a very common thing that happens with these two groups because they're not necessarily mortal enemies. They are two sides of a movement. They are... uh, adversaries but not necessarily like always just bitter enemies yeah they have a lot of the same goals i guess maybe not goals but ideals yeah but they have different philosophies yep and and that's interesting because that is something that you see in actual civil rights movements and a lot of movements so definitely and it's very trite because people always kind of boil it down to oh professor x is like martin luther king and magneto is like malcolm x and like eh, you know that's it's a little. It's a, a little bit of an over, oversimplification. Yeah, it is for uh, for both the uh, comic characters and the real men. Yes, but <laughs> it is you know at least analogous where it's like yeah okay they have the same goals but some difference in philosophy and tactics. Um, so it is a useful comparison at least in that regard as long as you don't try to make it one. They one-to-one. both have an X in their name. Yeah, well, well the, the one with the X is the one that's not like the one with the X. I know that's crazy. But and, and the one whose name starts with M. Is the one that's not like the one whose name starts with M. Martin or Malcolm? And neither of <laughs> oh, them are right. gonna. <laughs> oh, good point. Are gonna give it to you. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 boo, boo, now you make me want to play Resident Evil Two. 
<laughs> well, okay, I like that mod, but the one that always makes me laugh is the Thomas the Train yeah. one. Just being chased around while boo do 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 boop boop boo. Professor Xavier Professor Professor Xavier is an elaborate illusion created by Jason is in an elaborate collusion illusion created by Jason who accompanies him in the guise of a little girl. The two enter the Cerebro room, although in reality it's a grungy dome that Stryker has fabricated. Grungy dome was my nickname in high school. Oh, God, it gets worse the more I think about it. <laughs> uh, remind me to, to tell you about this concert I went to that involved Grungy Dome. Oh, no. Oh, Stryker no. goes to I the- don't want to. <laughs> no. Stryker goes to the dome and orders Jason to make the... Bailey listens dome. to this. Stop saying dome. <laughs> orders Jason to make the professor kill all mutants he finds through Cerebro. <laughs> Jean Grey, Magneto, and Mystique on their way to rescue Xavier are attacked by a brainwashed Cyclops. Jean stands her ground against Cyclops in order to buy Magneto enough time to get to Dark Cerebro and stop the mutant, the coming mutant annihilation. Jean withstands Cyclops' optic blast in which he uses a full power. Jean reflects the blast again at an extremely high level, causing both of them to be propelled backwards. Perhaps ca- a manifestation <laughs> Of her Phoenix Force powers. <laughs> and causing damage to the generators that keep the dam from collapsing. The destruction of the base is unstoppable. Cyclops finally remembers himself and takes Gene with him. Wolverine has gone on his own to search the laboratory for its secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I find that so funny? He's like, he's like, I know I need to do this main quest, but let me see what these other rooms have before I get back to Bro, that literally how me, I play video games. That reminds me, I've I've not thought about this until God of War Ragnarok, and I'm not going to spoil anything, okay, don't thanks. worry. But I think it's funny the juxtaposition of Kratos being this like hard-ass, uh, this hard-ass guy who's like really tough on Atreus, who's like, you know, boy, we're all about training and survival and everything. It's really important that we focus and we're disciplined. But hold on one second, because if I go climb that wall and I um, jump across this little gap for funsies, I'm going to punch through a wooden chest and collect some coins. Oh, there's, I remember. <laughs> like, it's so weird that he's like so, he's like so focused on discipline. And then he's like, I know the end of the world is coming, but I need that. I was watching Angela play the 2018 one. And Atreus calls him out on it in that game. Oh, it happens a lot in Ragnarok yeah. too. And where he's like, "How um, if we're so focused on this? How come we're going here?" And he's like, "Because we may find something that we need for this quest." There are so many moments in. Gosh, I, I I have to tell you this, so I'm gonna form this in a way that doesn't ruin anything. There's a bunch of moments where you are with Atreus and other person. Okay. The other person is variable. Like you travel with a lot of people in the in the second one, it's really cool. But the other person is typically like, if you go down the wrong path, the other person is like, Kratos, it's this way, and Atreus will almost always respond and be like, Father likes to explore. <laughs> father, <laughs> father must have seen some treasure. Like, uh, like he, it's very meta in that way. That's fun. <laughs> Wolverine has gone on his own. I've already seen this. He's seeing the secrets. <laughs> uh, 
Then Wolverine remembers escaping the facility using his new metal claws after he overheard Stryker planning to erase his memory. Stryker finds him there. When Wolverine goes to attack Stryker, Deathstrike attacks him in a duel to the death. She stabs him repeatedly with her adamantium claws. Wolverine discovers that she has the same regenerative ability he does, and the two battle to a near stalemate. Lady Deathstrike is not like this in the comics. She does not have adamantium in the comics. Yeah, who is she in the comics? So Lady Deathstrike is a common villain of Wolverine and also love interest of Wolverine. Mm. They have lots of history uh, together. They are seen as, you know, they're they're together sometimes. They're not whatever. But she has the power to grow her nails. Like, I swear, that's that's what her powers are. They grow her nails really long. Which, when you think about it, is probably... Terrible and are, painful and yeah. not useful. Like, are I was they imagine- also adamantium? No. I was like, imagine you you strike someone with long nails. Your nails are going to pull back on your fingers and hurt real bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt when she, when she grows her nail claws in that scene, I before anything even happened, I felt like uncomfortable because yeah. I was like, just imagine you like just swipe the wrong way, or even though it's adamantium, they're, like, thin, so it probably could snap. Yeah, like, if you've ever broken a nail in a painful way, like, if it's gotten a little bit too long and you bang it against something, and yeah, it, yeah like, that hurts. Like, I mean, it's, it's a comic book movie, so you roll with it, but it's one of those ones, it's one of those things where if you think about it too long, you're like, hmm, let's just assume that her superpower is also that she has very strong fingers. I'm looking her up. So there, it looks like she does sometimes have adamantium in the comics. Her hands are freaky. She has freaky hands. Maybe Danny is Lady Deathstrike in the, <laughs> the X Men. Deathstrike's fingers have been replaced by five twelve-inch long adamantium claws, replacing each finger of her hand. Oh, bro! Look at this but photo. Like, of I her. don't think that's how she always is. Oh, gee, dude! Look at this photo of her. Yeah. Oh my goodness! It makes me think of everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> I don't understand that reference. I need to watch that still. It's good. You is do. it streaming anywhere yet? I don't recall. Okay. She looks like the Baba Yaga or something. <laughs> the Baba Yaga. Wolverine seems. Oh shit! She's a snap card. To gain an advantage when he stabs her with an adamantium nozzle and fills her body with it, leaving her unconscious form preserved by the adamantium in the water tank. That was brutal and uncomfortable. I agree. I did not care for that. I agree. <laughs> when the adamantium starts like leaking out of her mouth and nose and eyeballs, I'm like, oh, well, no, no, no. And also when movie. her eyes turn from blue to like what I assume is their natural color, and she's like... Oh, yeah, because she's, she's not... being mind-controlled at this point, too. Yeah, so she's like, oh, I'm not mind-controlled anymore. Oh. Also, hey, look, I'm dead. Yeah. That sucks. I hate yeah. this. Pyro leaves the plane tired of waiting f- with Robbie and Rogue. Bobby and Rogue. Uh, Robbie and Bogue. Ro- Robbie's is not here. He's also tired of waiting. Magneto, donning his helmet, <laughs> breaks into the new Cerebro. The attack on mutants begins. The others fall to the floor screaming, their minds full of pain from the signal. Magneto stops the attack, then reconfigures the dome as metal plane panels fly around to different places. Mystique enters in the guise of Stryker and tells Jason with a change of plans to have Xavier kill all the humans instead of the mutants. Kill all humans. Do you guys think any thoughts about the like minute-long sequence of magneto rearranging the panels 
Did we need that either? No. Like, we get it. He can control metal, and those plates are made of metal. I thought it was fine. But was it necessary? Oh, no, I like him floating and moving <laughs> stuff around. Oh, God. Okay. I'm a fan of that. <laughs> sure. Stryker leaves the complex, but Wolverine finds him and angrily punches him into submission and impales him with his claws. Wolverine demands answers, <laughs> such as why he bonded him with the adamantium and why it erased his memories. Stryker only tells him that he'd volunteered for the procedure and the two of them worked together. He says Wolverine is a failed experiment, that he was an animal before and an animal now. Wolverine chains him to the helicopter, gets rid of his mutant dog tags, and goes back for the others. I think the Wolverine character, and stay with me on this one, is similar to the Joker character. In from the that, movie Joker? From the movie Joker. Uh, from any incarnation of the Joker. In that Wolverine is much more interesting when you do not know his backstory and when his backstory is more of a mystery that is trying to be uncovered. And when you find his backstory, most of the time it is never... And we'll talk about this when we talk about Wolverine Origins. But his uh. backstory is usually never as interesting as like the possibilities of what it could be. Yeah, I like it more when you get like a random hint that, oh, he existed at this time and did this thing. It's like, oh, wow, there's another weird thing about Wolverine. But if you have it all spelled out, I think I I think I might agree with you on that. It, again, just reminds me of Xavier firing him. <laughs> like, because he has that whole bit of like, but who am I? <laughs> get a journal, Logan. Where did I Logan? come from? <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, uh, Magneto and Mystique have found Stryker and commandeered his helicopter. Pyro has voluntarily joined them. However, Rogue flies the X-Jet over to the helicopter pad. As everyone struggles aboard, Wolverine notices Stryker chained to the dam, clearly the work of Magneto. Stryker demands clearly. to be let go, pleading Only one with man Wolverine. could have moved metal like this. <laughs> pleading with Wolverine and suggesting Wolverine will forever be an outcast like his friends. Wolverine decides to take his chances with his fellow mutants as he walks away with a child named Artie Maddox. The boy sticks his black <laughs> forked tongue out at Stryker. <laughs> oh. oh, Chris. I don't know. Sorry. My stars. Magneto escapes on the helicopter, taking Pyro along with him. The X-Men realize that the Professor is attacking everyone else. Storm pursues Night, uh, persuades Nightcrawler to try to get into Cerebro to extend his powers. Inside, they see a little girl and not the Professor. Storm isn't fooled and intensifies the cold in the chamber, freezing Jason to save Professor X and stop the killing process. Uh, <laughs> sick band name. Yeah. Sorry, play, didn't you play bass for the killing process? No, stop the killing process. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there we go. There you go. But the dam is falling apart. Damn. As the ceiling panels start to collapse, Nightcrawler rescues Storm and then the Professor. The group runs away and finally finds the way outside. A malfunction aboard the X-Jet prevents it from taking off. The dam finally bursts. The flood gets stronger, drowning Stryker. Jean Grey leaves the jet, uses her heightened powers to prevent everyone from getting back on board. She holds off... I wonder how she got those heightened powers. Perhaps it's a manifestation <laughs> of her Phoenix Force powers. What's the point of taking all of that out if we're going to make that joke every single time? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we set it up that way. Yeah. <laughs> she holds off the floodwaters while lifting the plane at the same time, all the while surrounded by a flaming energy field. Perhaps that's a manifestation <laughs> of her Phoenix Force powers. Nightcrawler attempts to grab her, but she chooses to stay. She raises the jet just enough for it to take off as the water floods over her. 
Back at the White House, the president prepares to address the country on the perceived mutant threat. Just as he begins his speech, the lights flicker and everyone in the room freezes except for him. The X-Men appear before uh, before him and Rogue gives him the flies from Stryker's private office. Files, not flies. The files <laughs> from Stryker's private office. You have these flies. <laughs> <laughs> you are now the lord of these flies. <laughs> While Professor X tells him that the events of the last few days, saying that in the files, some humans and mutants tried to start a war and there have been casualties on both sides. Professor X gives him an ultimatum. Either humans and mutants work together to build peace or they will destroy each other through war. The mutants leave in the same manner they entered. As everyone else in the room returns to motion, the shocked president looks at the files and is uncertain whether to continue his speech. The mutant message is simple. We're here to stay. The film ends with a voiceover by Jean Grey on the process of evolution, identical to the voiceover at the start of the initial film. The camera floats over Alkali Lake, showing a vague but ominous shape in the water surface, the shape of a burning bird. The Phoenix. Perhaps it's a manifestation of her Phoenix Force powers. <laughs> that was not there before. Oh, well. But I'm going to go at it. Yeah, I like what you're doing. <laughs> I smell what you're stepping in. Uh, what'd you guys? What'd you guys think? What do you? What'd you? What'd you think of the movie? What you? What were your initial impressions after rewatching this? Since I don't you guys know how go long. first. Yeah, uh, it didn't sit with me the way I thought it would, uh, and not in the. Uh, it 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 did not have the Amazing Spider-Man two effect in the year of our Lord 2022. It had the opposite. It was I expected. Especially because I think it was on our X Men episode. I don't remember which one we I brought this up, but that whole like we were talking about trilogies thing, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and how this you guys told me that my thought was not correct, and the second one is usually the best one. So I went into this thinking like, man, I'm gonna come out of this like really excited that I watched this movie, and I don't know. In a lot of ways, it let me down. I I love the opening scene. I will stay in that opening scene until uh, I'm on my deathbed you know, in six and a half years. Oh my God. Uh, when the rest of the world is on their deathbed. <laughs> but I also think that the movie is way too long. Uh, it just, sections of it really drag. Um, the the sexual, over-sexualization of certain scenes that I brought up earlier, like that made me uncomfortable in spots. And I just, I don't know. I I think this is, this is mostly just as good as the first one. I I don't think it stands out compared to the first one that much. I feel like I agree with you and then I disagree with some of your points, but like I generally agree with I don't like this movie as much as I thought I was going to. Sure. I tend to come in with these movies and try to be as objective as I can because X2 is another one of those that is looked on very fondly. Mm-hmm. It is remembered as, you know, one of those movies. And I find myself, every time I go back to one of these movies that is remembered so fondly, I find myself, I like it less than than people are saying. And a lot of it has to do with people that have watched this movie since, you know, haven't watched this movie in years, but they remember it fondly. And so mm-hmm. kind of carry on those emotions without, you know, putting it up to things like that. I feel like I push back on the whole sexuality thing and sort of the use of sex. I don't think using sex in a movie either like this or in general is inherently a bad thing. And I don't think some of the ways it was used in this movie, for example, the the thing with Mystique and the guy in the, the bathroom, I don't think that's necessarily like... Like, I don't think just because a movie has, like, sex, it is necessarily bad. Oh, I don't either. However, I think the, like... 
the thing in the tent is kind of weird. Sure. But it's not like they're not trying to paint Mystique as like a good person there either. So like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I see like, it, it, I don't think it's like that bad. In fact, I think maybe more movies should have a little bit more sex in them. It sounds so weird to say, but what, <laughs> what I'm, what I'm saying is I think we need to, as a society, especially as like an American society, maybe demystify sex a little bit. Cause sex right now is like this, like oh thing that we are, we're like we we're so prudish here. Yo, the... listen though. For the record, for any listeners, I, I like I'm not anti-sex. No, like, I'm, I'm a not sex positive person. I just think that if you're going to use it, it, like using it in media like this, there's like a line you got to draw between like, um, helpful to the story and just for the sake of it existing, you know, and maybe using it the wrong way. And yeah, you're right. Mystique is not a hero. Like, it stands to reason that she would maybe do something like that because she is not a hero. She is mostly a villain. Um, but that doesn't make me comfortable with it. See, the bathroom one didn't bother me because it's a tale as old as time of a man, you know, making a huge mistake because a hot woman appeared. Uh, the tent one is the only one that really bothered me, but I think the bathroom one is fine. It makes sense. You know, she's tricking him into getting the, in a position where she can knock him out and fill his blood with metal. The bathroom one bothers me the least. Okay. I don't even know if that one bothers me. It's just an example that I True. that I remembered, you know? Chris, what did you think of the movie? Ah, uh, well, maybe I'm crazy, but I thought it held up. I thought it was <laughs> crazy how much better, how much of an improvement was over the first one. It feels more modern in a lot of ways. I thought the writing, like I said earlier, was a lot looser and the performances were a lot more comfortable. It didn't feel stilted the way a lot of um, X-Men did, which the first X-Men, you know, succeeds in spite of those things. Uh, But here, you know, it's got maybe some pacing issues towards the end and all that, like we discussed. But overall, I thought it was very enjoyable. Uh, I liked the new characters that were introduced, particularly Nightcrawler. I liked that, you know, Bobby got a bit of a bigger role. I liked seeing the arc of Pyro as well. Now he starts off like kind of questioning and seeing Magneto kind of sway him to his side in that conversation they have on the plane um, so that he ultimately leaves with them and joins the Brotherhood. I thought that was cool that we, you know, we're seeing stuff like that. It's it does the great thing that makes a uh, a movie great where the villain is treated as a character first and not just an antagonist, uh, you know, and you know making them work with Magneto. That was very novel at the time as far as superhero movies go, where you have to team up with the villain from the first movie. Now it, I feel like it happens not infrequently, <laughs> but I I enjoyed it here. So yeah, I for me, I I really do think that it. Uh, yeah, I really I think about up. like movies like Home Alone, and I really wish Home Alone two they would have, um, Macaulay Culkin would have teamed up with the Wet Bandits <laughs> to stop some other A neighbor. Worse bandits, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Wetter Bandits. Yeah, there it is. Uh, let's get our MVPs, Chris. Who's your MVP for this movie? Um, this is maybe biased because he's my favorite X Man, but uh, I would say Nightcrawler. Uh, certainly among the newcomers and 
as I almost did last week, but then changed my mind, Magneto among the uh, existing characters just because we got to see so much more of them this time. Uh, I think I'm going to give it to Logan. But then who are you awarding the MVP to? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's because I think he's so much better in this than he is in that first movie. I think he's... I think he's genuinely awful in that first movie. I don't like his character in that movie. And I found myself in this one being like, maybe I was a little wrong about all those Wolverine takes I had about maybe we don't need Wolverine again. I found myself saying that in in, in yeah. this one uh, a lot more than I did in the first one. In the first one, I didn't. He found, found him insufferable. Uh, uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think Wolverine's cool in this one. I don't. Uh, Nightcrawler's cool, I guess too. You guys are fine. Whatever. <laughs> You're cool. Peach? Yeah, I mean, the three characters that we've talked about are the three that are in the running yeah. for me, too. But ultimately, I'm going to say M- uh, my MVP is Nightcrawler. It, it's I, I, I am a, a one-trick pony. It's it's that opening scene, man. Yeah. It's the opening It's so cool. I, I'm going to watch it again later, but on YouTube, so I don't have to pull up Disney+. Plus Because I have been lazy, and I haven't downloaded Disney Plus onto my new living room TV, so I've just been using Disney Plus through the PlayStation app, and mm-hmm. it is so awful on the app. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Really? The interface is different, and I don't know if it's... I don't think it's my internet because this doesn't happen through my TV, but if I try to um, rewind or fast forward... Rewind and fast forward. The, that's not an yeah. app thing. That is a Disney Plus thing. Disney oh, it's... Plus a, is just... It's a bad app. It takes more than yeah. 10 seconds for the thing to fast forward or rewind 10 seconds. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, you want to you wanna look at 10 seconds ago? That'll be 30 seconds of your time, please. Uh, Why? <laughs> no wonder they lost a billion and a half dollars on streaming this year. Uh, They're crappy rewinding. I guess you can watch things. You just can't want to rewatch them immediately. Yeah. You have to watch the whole thing again. Better pay attention. Because <laughs> I'm the boogeyman. <laughs> Whoa. And then we're going to go to to ratings now. I think I'm going to give X2. uh, Man, I can't think of anything funny. Uh, 7.5 blown Dr. Peppers out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Peach, what about you? Oh, my God. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. I also gave it seven and a half possible manifestations of the Phoenix Force out of ten. Uh, Chris? I liked it a lot more than y'all, I guess. I gave it nine bamfs out of ten. Uh, that's nine? Yeah, I thought it was great. <sighs> it holds up. I think that is that, uh, an interesting take. I won't Peach, fight. I'm not gonna fight I wish you. Robbie were here. I'm not going to fight you on your up. opinion, but nine seems, nine seems high. <laughs> I agree. Uh, what did I rank it? So I actually gave both movies a 7.5 because I really do think that they're about the same quality in my mind. But I did just put X2 in front of X-Men for the same reason that I've said 45 times. So y'all can piece that together. Uh, Chris? Um, X2 than X-Men. Easy enough. I think it's easy to say X2 is a better film than X-Men. I wouldn't say X2 is the best film for me personally, but I do think it's a better film than the first X-Men. 
bro. I cannot wait to see where X3 ends up. Same. I mean, we all know where it's going to end up, but I, I don't know. What if, it, what if it really surprises us? <laughs> what if it's an Amazing uh, Spider-Man 2? <laughs> as someone who watched it a few years ago, it is not going to surprise us. <laughs> <laughs> it is not going to pull an Amazing Spider-Man 2. I Sad. hope for the, for the purpose of clout, I really like that movie. The Colossus of Clout. I, <laughs> I hope I come in here and I'm like, guys, I'm, I am uh, X3's number one stan starting today. The manifestation of the Phoenix Force is high. Oh, boy. <laughs> Possibly. I also need to quickly touch on, I forgot to touch upon this. We spend 50 minutes in this, like, military base damn thing. Oh. I found that setting so drab and boring. What I was thinking too. while watching it is that they go back to it too much in every other X-Men movie. Yeah. Because they go back to it in X-Men Origins. They go back to it in Deadpool, don't yep. they? Yeah. And they go back to it in... um. I don't think I don't think in X three, but in uh, Apocalypse they go back there, mm-hmm. and it's like, my God, this is not an interesting place. Why it's do we like keep a trapezoid in the snow? It would have been fine if this were the only movie you were in, but then it's like becomes like aside from Xavier's mansion, the like second most used location in the X Men movies, and it does not deserve that. Is that a popular comics location? I mean, it's big because it's a big part of Wolverine's origin. But it's boring. But yeah. (laughs) You're trying to get a rise, but I already said that. I already did it for myself. I already gave myself a rise. On that note. Speaking of (laughs) unnecessary sex jokes. Are you thinking about my ratings? (laughs) Yes. I think that's going to do it, except we got to do recommendations. (laughs) Ha ha! You guys thought you were going to escape this one. You didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. You do this every time. I know. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. What are you guys going to recommend this week? Uh, you go. I am going to make a recommendation of a video game I started playing just a couple days ago. I have not put a lot of time into it yet, um, but if the beginning is any indication, I'm going to stand by this. It's, uh, it's an old... Uh, not an older game. It came out a few years ago. It is called Yoku's Island Express. Oh, it's the pinball one, right? Yeah. It's a Metroidvania pinball game. You what? play Yeah, you play as uh Yoku, who is a little beetle, uh, who is uh a postman. Uh he moves to this island and becomes a postman. Hey, Mr. Postman. Yeah, he takes over for uh um the pterodactyl that's retiring. Um and mm. you get around, you push this ball. Um, I don't think it's actually dung, but he pushes it like a dung beetle. <laughs> and, but it's a huge interconnected world. But you end up in these locations where you are controlling bumpers and you're just playing. You're moving them around as a pinball. So <laughs> you have these like little pinball sequences that you have to like solve to get through to the next area. And uh, it's it's a fun little uh, game. You know, it's it's uh, you're developing like you know, like you're finding different powers, different uh abilities uh, that you can use either in the pinball sections or kind of between them there, you know, uh traversal areas between the pinball, but it is mostly pinball. Uh but it is an interesting uh interesting little mix of gameplay styles that you wouldn't expect to work. Uh but so far in the, you know, I've put maybe 45 minutes an hour into it. Um uh, so far it works. I um it's it's a, a lot of fun. It's different. Um, cute art style. 
Uh, it's available, I think, on basically everything. I've been playing it on Switch, but uh, I think it's on Steam and PlayStation and Xbox as well. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. I'm going to second Eduardo's recommendation because I just platinumed God of War Ragnarok last night. So play that game. Also play 2018 because as as you were saying, Eduardo, it is very much like a part two. Like yeah. I don't think you should play Ragnarok at all if you didn't play the first no, one. No, it will not uh, do well. And and honestly, you're just you're just doubling the length of your game if you play both of them yeah. because you're gonna get two really awesome experiences. Um, the platinum's not too hard to get, although there are some um, there are some like hidden bosses that you have to beat to get the platinum that are pretty tough. I would say. Not as tough as the hidden bosses from the first game. No, I think that this one had the first game had the hardest bosses. But they have some fucking massive health pools, yeah. my guy. Like those fights take so long. You cannot really mess up. If you get a good build, maybe maybe you're fine. But um it's a fun game. I also recommend we had a we had a little board game night uh at Eduardo's recently. And Robbie brought over this board game called Everdell. I recommend Everdell as well. It's like a, it's like an engine building. You 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 play cards that are either little wooden woodland creatures or little buildings within the woodland creature community, and they all do things that power up your engine. And uh, it's one of those games where, like, right as you have everything figured out, the game is over, <laughs> um, which is. It's a weird thing that I like because it's always such a bummer. Like, man, if I just had one more round, man, things would really kick off over here. Every time. Um, But I think there's a lot of engine building games out there. If you like engine building games, then you're going to like Everdell. But the thing that stood out to me is the actual physical pieces of the game. So the board has this tree. It has this, like, cardboard tree that you put together that the cards sit inside of and it's just part of the board is this tree and like your workers that you eventually get sit in the tree and they're all little woodland creatures so they're all just chilling and then all the pieces in the game are like the most forbidden candy game pieces I have ever seen like there's these little gems that are made of they're like amber and they look like shiny gushers Um, there's like berries that are this pink like rubbery material somebody told me I didn't have these dolls growing up, surprise, but somebody told me that the material that those berries are made of looks like Polly Pocket shoes. Oh, weird. Do you know what do you know what that's like? No. Same. I think I can picture it, but um the coins in the game are like they're like solid gold and heavy. They're not real gold. Well, but they're, now, Robbie does have like the special edition of the game. Yeah, Get the special a, edition. They sold a special edition at Gen Con. Well, that version is awesome. Get it if you can. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe the uh, pieces in the other one. Maybe they've decided. You know what? We're gonna just sell it like this. Uh, Probably not. But it's a fun little game. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I had a good time with it as well. I think I will also head the board game route, and I think I finally have played it enough to finally recommend Clank. Clank oh, yeah. is a deck building board game in which you are, like I said, building a deck. Uh, but you are also exploring a cavern, like a treasure-filled cavern with a slumbering dragon. And as you move through the cavern, you and your your the other people in there 
are making noise. And the more noise you make, you will wake up the dragon. And when the dragon finally wakes up, he attacks. And it's got this really fun mechanic where you have these little cubes. And as you make noise, you add the cubes to the what's called the clank pile. And then when the dragon attacks, you add all of these cubes into a bag. And you pull random cubes out. And that's who the dragon ends up hitting. So the more noise you make, the more of a chance you have of getting hit. I think it's like a really fun... Uh, that concept applies in real life, too. The more noise you make, the more dragons you're going to get hit by? No, the more... Without the dragon part, you said the more noise you make, the more likely it is you're going to get hit. I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, Clank. Wow. The board game. I like Clank too. Yeah, it's I fun. had fun with that one too. The the one the one complaint that I have about Clank is I think that the and maybe this is a good thing for replayability. I think that the deck that you pull new cards from is way too massive compared to how often new cards make it into the market for you to buy. I found that the cards went way quicker with four people than it does with Oh, two. that's all right. I've only played it 1v1. Yeah, 1v1, yeah. It, I agree. But when we played it, it, the cards were going like crazy. There were new cards every... Uh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you weren't playing with us. Yeah, that, Cody that and much. I were playing other 1v1 games yeah. while you guys were playing that one. Yeah. Uh, All right, well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by going over to patreon.com slash assemblyrequired. Huge shout-out to our Avengers-level patrons, Brian, Riley, Adrian, and Michael. Adrian, thank you for the microphone stand. We really appreciate it. Uh, We love you. We love you. Come join Adrian and the rest of our, our, our patrons over at uh, our patron-exclusive Discord. Talk to us. Uh, listen to our bonus episodes. Our most recent one has come out, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, you can listen to our Michigan Chillers episode. We've got all kinds of stuff. We've got another one coming out here for December, so keep your ears out for that one. If you want to email the show, you can do so, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at assemblycast. You can follow me at Eduardo one Robbie, whenever he's here, it'll be at philkid 3 you can follow Peach over at twitch.tv slash peaches, P-E-A-C-H-3-Z. But that's going to do it for myself, for Chris, for Peaches. We love you, 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. <laughs> bubbly, bubbly. You guys need to stop making me laugh Sorry. before my sign-off. I can't get through it anymore. X, don't give it to me. Oh, oh. <laughs>